Welcome to the Parkway Live Church Podcast. Thank you for taking time to let God's Word impact you. Always encouraged to know God is touching lives through this ministry. Please visit parkwaylife.com to let us know. You can also hit the giving tab to sow into the ministry that you are experiencing. Now, prepare your heart to hear a word from God today. Just a little bit, so it was written by Paul. It was a letter um, written by Paul to the church of, anybody guess? Oh man, it was easy, it was told you, Philippi. So Paul started the church, he started it in um, Acts chapter 16 and he was an apostle sent by God to lead people to Christ and he raised up leaders and started churches in different cities and this was a church he started in 52 AD and about 20 years or so after the death, death and resurrection of Jesus Christ. And so you will see the deep affection that Paul had for the people in Philippi. He loved them dearly. And in this letter that he wrote to the church, you're going to hear a strong, strong love come out of this text. And he's writing this letter about 10 years Later, after the start of the church in 52 AD, which would put it at 62 AD, just seeing if you're awake. 62 AD, in response to the church, something that the church did. So if I could put it in modern day vernacular, it'd kind of be like, y'all did something really special for me. You, you, you gave me a gift and, and I, I wanted to write you a letter back as the pastor to tell you thanks for that gift, welcome to the book of Philippi, uh, Philippians. So it's a letter, letter back to the Philippi church about something they had given him. And so he received a financial gift from them and he, he, was, uh, he was a very proud man in, in, in some sense and wouldn't, didn't ever want to take anything from the church. And uh, he said, I've never been a burden to you. I've always worked. I've never imposed on you for financial gift. But because of this relationship with this church, he actually received this gift. He took in this gift. And then he wrote this very heartfelt, emotional thank you letter um, and mingled it with some gentle, loving instruction that would make this church better. The book of Philippines, uh, Philippians has a unmistakable theme that rises to the top of the book all the way throughout the book and that is the theme of joy. In fact, a lot of people, if they're talking about joy, they're going to go to the book of Philippians because it is such a strong interwoven throughout the entire book is this theme of joy. The words joy or the words rejoice show up so many times, and even words close to that are used some 19 different times in this short book. And you will see this massive joy come out of a guy who really maybe for no other reason in the natural life did he really seem to have a reason to have joy, but in this book you see joy just keep bubbling up out of him. And that's what makes it such a unique text for us to learn from. And I want to give you some information that, again, may shift your perspective and how you read Philippians. And 
that is this, and this is probably the thing that changes our outlook on this entire book, and that is we find that he wrote this book and he penned the words for this incredible book while he was still in prison. He was in prison. He was, he was in a place where you think it should be impossible to have joy, and yet he found a joy and he, and he found a, uh, an excitement about the gospel and what God was doing in the Philippian church, and uh, he began to write. And I love whenever I find something that shifts my perspective on things, and this is one of those text that does that. It, it just changes how you look at things. And when you find those things that change your perspective, it's kind of like, I don't know if you've ever met someone and thought, man, I don't really, I don't really like that person. They're kind of rude. Anybody ever had that? Three people. You are such spiritual people. And they're snobby. They're stuck up. I don't even really know if I like them. But then you find out more about their story and you hear what they've been through or what they're going through right now and you say, you know, man, I had no idea. I had no idea and it gives you a different appreciation for them. What is that? That's a shift in your perspective. It doesn't change that person, but it changes in how you, that's right. And so you could even be having a really bad day, and this happens sometimes, I think, in all of our lives. We're having this really bad day, and, and all of a sudden, we get that story, Josh, of, of the person that's having not a really bad day, but a really, really, really bad day, and we kind of step back and go, oh, wow, maybe my day's not as bad as I thought it was, and it's kind of a, have a shift in our perspective. It's like a man who complained he had no shoes until he had a man who had no feet. It's a shift in your perspective. And that is why in this series, I really want there to be a shift in your perspective and how you view things, how you think about things, how you look at things. And so that's what I think is going to be really good for us in this series. So the perspective changer is that he is writing this from a Roman prison. And you gotta keep that in your mind when you're thinking you're having a real bad day and you hear me teach about from this book, think about he's writing this in prison. In fact, Acts chapter 28 tells he spent two years under house arrest simply for preaching the gospel. He didn't murder anybody. He didn't steal from anyone. He didn't do anything bad, but he was preaching the gospel and for two years chained up, chained up 24 hours a day to a Roman soldier. And that's going to come back later on. I'm going to talk about that and how that turns out to be something really cool. Paul's greatest dream was to take the gospel to Rome. That, that was his, that's why he was there. That was his greatest dream. He had a passion for that. He wanted to go to Rome as a preacher and not a prisoner. I don't think anybody would say, I, I, um, I would rather go to Rome as a prisoner than a preacher. I, I think all of us would vote the preacher side. He got to, he had his dream of going to Rome and preaching the gospel, 
He didn't know he was going to be doing it from a prison cell. So I'm going to title this part of this series on shift. I'm going to title this message tonight a really one-word title that just is just a, to catch your attention, and it's, you're definitely going to need it explained. You ready? We're just going to title it a really word that's used a lot right now, and maybe uh, you're of the age that you don't hear this much, but if you're around students very much, you're going to hear this word going, what? What? Or what? Uh, and and, and it's, a, it's a word, in fact, something happened the other day in the offices, and they said something to me, and I went, what? What? You know, and that's, that's used quite a bit. Anyways, I can see that went over real good. That went like, that was the dumbest thing I ever heard. But I am going to play that off into this message, and you'll understand while I'm using that term, what, because uh, I definitely have never used that for a title of a thought. So Philippians chapter 1 and verse 2, Philippians chapter 1 and verse 2 says this. This is that letter. Are you ready? Grace and peace to you from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. I thank my God every time I remember you. In all my prayers for all of you, I always pray with joy. Because of your partnership in the gospel from the very first day until now. Being confident of this, that he who began a good work in you will carry it on into completion until the day of Christ Jesus. It is right for me to feel this way about you since I have you in my heart for, for whether I am in chains, hear it? For whether I am in chains, if I am a prisoner or defending or confirming the gospel, all of you share in God's grace with me. Church, you're with me here, right here in this moment. I can feel it. I know you're here with me right now. And we find out in this scripture, and you're about to hear my first what, okay? That God can give you joy no matter what. It's the first what I want to share with you. God can give you joy no matter what. And we find him opening and pinning this text with joy in his heart, love in his heart. Man, you're right here with me. I feel your love. And he's got this joy flowing out. And it, you, can, you find right off, you can have joy no matter, say it with me, what? Come on, one, two, three. What? Someone say that one more time. Say no matter what. You can have joy no matter what. You can have this, but there's got to be a perspective change. There's got to be a shift somewhere. So Paul probably preferred no change, but let me ask you a question tonight. How many of you right now have something in your life that you wish was different? It's good, I'm talking to the right crowd. Right now, I just wish that God would change this about my life. I just wish something was different. Probably every season of life we look at it and we say, I, I, I wish that this wasn't the way it was. And it seems like when you're going through that, you, you, when you're young, you always want to be older. And then you get 
older and you want to be younger. You're just kind of really not quite ever satisfied. And some say, I, I wish I wasn't doing this kind of work that I'm doing. I, I really wish that way. I'm in a job that seems beneath me or it's not very fulfilling. And, or I'm not crazy about the people I work with or they drive me crazy. And don't start shouting yet, okay? Sometimes I really wish I didn't live where I live and I wish I, I, wish I had some different friends or I wish I, I wish I lived in a different house or... Or I just wish I had a house. We all have this thing, and I, I want to I describe it like this. In fact, I'm going to be talking to you, but I am going to go in this room. I know that's really odd, but I'm going to go in this prayer room, and I'm going to get a couple of chairs. So we've got two chairs, and I want uh, a couple of people to come help me. I want Jimmy Bartley to come up here, Please. Come on, Jimbo, just real quick. I won't even use it that long. And then I need one other person. Uh, come on, Ken Carr, come help me just real quick. Would you do it? I need, an, I need a young person with Jimmy up here. So I want to explain it like this. I want, I want you to sit in that back chair. And Ken, I want you to sit in that front chair. And I just want to kind of give you a, um, a visual for what I'm talking about. We all have something in our life, again, those things that we want to change, but we all have a what? Everybody say what? what? We all have a what? And Ken, I want you to be what? Okay, can you say what? what? And we all have a what, and we don't understand what's behind it, and that is the why. So I want you to say why. why? So let's practice again. So we all have a what and we don't understand the why. Hear this, God, this what is going on in my life. This what is going on in my life. So in your life, there's this what that's going on in my life and I don't understand why it's not different. God, why don't you do something about this What in my life? Does that sound like a prayer you might have prayed? <laughs> and so in your prayer, in your life is this what and this why, and you're dealing with it. Man, I wish some things were different. What if they were different? Why aren't they different? And, you, and we lay out all these different scenarios and a different season, all of us, we have a what and we don't understand the why. We have a what and we don't understand the why. Remember this, God always, always has a why behind a what. So, I want to make a statement. I want to put this on your screen for you here tonight. I, and this is really, I want you to remember this. I don't have to understand the why to trust God in the what. what. Isn't that good? Three of you thought so. Let's, let's say it out loud. You ready? Here we go. Here we go. You ready? I don't have to understand the why to trust God in the what. Now, that's, that's really huge. I can trust the Lord. I can trust the Lord with all of my heart and lean not 
on my understanding, but in all my ways acknowledge him and he will direct my path. I don't have to understand everything. I don't have to understand everything to continue to trust him in what is going on in my life. I don't have to understand everything behind this. I don't have to understand the why of why it's all here to understand I can trust him right here in my what that's going on in my life. And every one of you, just about every one of you raised your hand a few minutes ago and said, man, you know, it's that what if things were different? What if I could make some changes? What if there's some areas that I'd like to change? You all have some what? We have those things. And we don't have to, under, we, we need to understand that God always has a why behind the what. I don't understand why my friend back there is going through leukemia. I don't, I don't understand that. I don't, and I would say, what, what's going on here? I don't understand that. But there's a why behind that. But I may, I may not understand the why. I may not completely get the why. And if you're in a place like, right, like that right now and there's something and you're saying, I don't like it. I wish this was different. I'm not sure what to do about this. I wanna, I wanna lay out and let you see that it's just very normal for you to have a what and have a why behind it, and it's okay. First thing, let me give you kind of two questions, and I, I gave you the first what, and that was what? No matter what. We're gonna serve the Lord, we're gonna have joy, we're gonna have a shift uh, in our perspective, we're gonna look at things different, we're gonna look at through God's eyes and not ours, and even though I don't understand everything, I'm gonna do that, no matter what, I will trust him, no matter what, I'm gonna serve him. Boy, it's easy to say, isn't it? No, it's sometimes very tough. Why is it tough sometimes? Because I've got this what going on, and I don't understand the why. And it's difficult for me to say no matter what, but for you to have a great perspective change and a shift you need to be able to stand and say, no matter what, and just emphatically. So I want you to stand up right now. Would you do that with me? I want you to stand up, and, and, my, and my brothers can stand up with me. I want you all to stand, and I want you to just shout and say this. I want you to say, no matter what. Say, I want you to shout it because it's kind of emphatic. It's, it's just like, you know, it's got an exclamation point in it. It's like, no matter what. And you've got to get to that point in your life where you say, no matter what. The devil's not going to steal my joy no matter what. He's not going to have it. I am going to continue to serve and trust God no matter what. Can I get a witness? Can I give the Lord a hand clap of praise? <laughs> Gentlemen, thank you for helping me. Now, we've built that in their mind, and I'll keep referring to it, but I don't bore you with sitting up here the whole time, but didn't they do just a job? And they're, they're like male models, aren't they? I mean, just, just male, male models. You may be seated. So I wanna give you two questions to ask when life is hard. Two, two questions, because we need a shift. We need a perspective change when we're going through tough times. So we're gonna say no matter what. And then there's another, there's two more questions. That was a kind of this emphatic, Exclamation, but I, I, want, I want to give you two more things. I want to give you two more questions. First, we're going to say it this way. Now what? So we've said no matter what, 
Now I want you to say, now what? Everybody say that out loud. I don't, like, I don't like what's going on, but God, now what? I do not understand this, God, but I trust you with the why. I trust you with the why, God. And, and I, and I want to know, I want to know what it is you want to show me. What is it that you want to do in me? Now what, God? Because if we just stop in the trusting factor with no matter what, well, that's awesome. But man, let's grow from here, right? If we walk through, I've often said, if we walk through hard times, let's come out of this thing with a testimony. I don't want to go through a trial and come out and, and, and don't have any testimony to, to tell of the goodness of God and the blessings of God and what I learned in the process. Can I get a witness? I want, I want to learn. I want to grow. So as God now wants, I don't understand this, but I trust you with the why. And I want to know what it is you want to show me. What is it you want to do in me, God? Now, now what? Now what? So I'm going to read verse 12 of chapter 1. It says this. Now I want you to know, brothers, that what has happened to me has really served to advance the gospel. Okay, here we go again. Now, I want you to know, brothers, that what, what has happened to me? And you've had some what happened in your life. But what has happened to me has really served. The what in the, my life has served something to do something to advance the gospel. And I love this. This word, this word ends in the, it says advance. Advance is a military term that means to move forward. It moved forward the gospel. Literally, it's often used of a group that goes ahead to clear the underbrush or to clear the obstacles so that the army then can come behind it and something has went before them. It's advanced before them or it's went before them that can clear the way now for the rest of the army to come through there. Paul is saying, it looks bad. <laughs> it looks rough. But actually, God is doing something good through it. So what's happened to me has really served to advance the gospel. Do you see this shift in perspective and how so often you and I don't look at it that way? We don't think about the what being the thing that's helping to advance, to go before me, to advance, to move me to the place that God is able to advance the gospel. And so, so often we change chairs and we, we get the why and we get hung up on the why, and we miss this power that the what God is doing in my life and the movement that God has given in my life, and even though I'm walking through difficult, tough times, what I'm going through right now is going to be so beautiful that it goes out in front and it advances the gospel. In other words, this, People see Christ in me because of the what I'm going through. Is that good? And so, 
And many times we are in a place, I don't see, and this is, I'm saying this. Well, I don't see God working here. I don't see God in this. Really? I preached a message like way, probably back in the old building about a message I called, Don't Kick the Donkey. I got to preach that again. And my wife and I are constantly saying that. We, it happened to us last night. <laughs> and we were doing something we didn't want to do about 1130 at night and had to get back out on the road and go take care of something. And she said, don't kick the donkey. She always says it when I'm going, <clears throat> hate when people preach my messages back to me. It's so drive you crazy. It's like, I don't need a recording of that right now. I got the why in front of the what. Would you let me keep it there for just a minute? <laughs> but what I'm going through, I don't know why, but I know God's in it. And he's helping me through it. And it's helping me to move forward. And I'm in those moments like that so many times that I don't see God working here. Or we can say this, I don't feel his presence right now. Nothing good that can come out of this. There's no, there's no, possible, no possible way. It just can't happen. Nothing good can come out of this. But we serve a God. We serve a God who can turn what we call obstacles into divine opportunities for him to absolutely advance the gospel, or I'm going to say this, show himself. We get those these snapshots of God showing himself up in our what? Showing himself. I mean, that's, that's, I mean, people can go to the word of God and read the word of God, and that is absolutely what we want them to go to. They must go there. That's our, that's our solid, that's our absolute, right? But then the rest of the way the people seek God and hear the voice of God is through your life. Because you are the one that he's working the what through to advance the gospel through your life, through my life. Through, through how you respond and the what in your life is how people are able to get a view of God, get a glimpse of God. I'll tell you this. We do have a number of people walk in our church that don't know absolutely anybody. And, and that happens weekly and that's awesome. People are more apt to get grounded in the church if they know somebody in the church. Of course, that's why we want, if people walk in, they don't know anybody. Man, we want you to connect with them, link them in. We want you to become their new friend. Why? We want you to connect with them and, and lead them to Christ. That's, that's your God-given build, uh, job as to build in, create, make disciples. Go ye therefore and make disciples. It's beautiful. But how do you do that? First of all, man, read that word of God. Get in the word. Teach the word of God. But, but man, if you can't get it all figured out, let them see God in your what? <laughs> Let them see God right there. Now, I want you to know, brothers, that what has happened to me, see, there was some stuff that happened to him, man. He's writing this from prison. He wasn't writing this from the, the mansion there in Philippi. He wasn't writing this from a mountaintop experience. 
He's chained to a guard 24 hours a day. And God turned the obstacle into an opportunity because even though he didn't know it, there was a why behind it. I hope I'm making this clear because and opening this and unpacking this for you. God can take what we call a setback and turn it into a setup for him to be glorified. There are people that walk through seasons of sickness and tough times and may have never found themselves in an altar of repentance, had not, or an altar of, of growth in your life, had not you walked through that time. Do we want that for you? Man, absolutely not. Do we want that for each other? No, we don't want that. We don't pray that on nobody. But in the middle of my what? In the middle of my life, in the middle of our struggle, we are constantly this billboard for what God is doing. A few years ago, I, I started to, we, we did a lot of billboards in the city in the area and kind of when I first came here and kind of let people know that, you know, we were doing some fresh things and moving forward and having growth and we did a number of billboards and I really, I really wanted to take and say, you know, this church is for whomsoever will. That was like Jesus' words. And I wanted to put a bunch of people on billboards that, you know, were uh, different and all that kind of stuff. And I started to just put it all over town. And it still sounds like a great idea. I may do it sometime. But it's like the Lord kind of checked me and said, you know what, Nathan? Let, let the people, let the saints of the Lord be the billboards. There'll be better billboards than you can ever imagine. And so I backed up on that deal. I had a little check in my spirit. And man, we just started preaching to people. And this church became the billboard. This church, when they walked in every environment, and this church is filled up, not because, and I believe in advertisements, so I'm not discouraging that. But I'm, I, I, this church is filled up. We haven't had a TV program. We haven't had any really fancy stuff that goes out. And I'm a little bit ashamed of that. We need to do better in some of those areas. So... Many of us have those setbacks and God turns them into a setup for him to be glorified. Our setbacks, I like to say our setbacks are really setups in disguise. Love that, love that statement. So many of us feel as if we're in prison. Oh my Lord, I'm chained up to this thing that I don't even like. I don't even like this thing. What I'm, what I'm hooked to the job, I'm hooked to the whatever it may be. Man, you could name a gazillion things that you might be chained up to that you're going, I, I just, oh my Lord, I'm chained up to this thing. I don't even like what I'm chained up, chained up to. Guess what? Your prison can become your pulpit. Your what? can become your pulpit. Don't wait, well, when I get out of prison, I'm gonna start preaching. When I get through this trial, I'm gonna start preaching. If I ever get unchained from this, I'm gonna start preaching. Now, not, you know, not like maybe me, but I mean, you're saying, Man, I'm gonna really be an evangel when I get out from under this thing I'm chained to. And what if, what if Paul all of the while is teaching us that in the middle of your what, what you're chained up to right now. You're asking God, now what do you want me to do with this? Now what, God? I'm here. I know, God, maybe you didn't put me in this hard times. By no means, God, we know just hard times. Life brings hard times. Can I get a witness? 
God didn't put you there and all that stuff. But now that you're here, now that they arrested me for preaching the gospel, now I'm here. The enemy seems to have had his way, but look what I'm chained to. And now it's a setup that God can do something crazy awesome through the pulpit that he's given me in my life. In other words, you might want to write this down. There could be a purpose in your prison. There could be a purpose in your prison. You may not see it, but God can give you a shift in your perspective. See, that's what I wanted to be tonight. I know you're going to come in, you came in the door and you're going to walk right back out that same exact door. But if you had a shift in your perspective while you're in here, it's life-changing when you see what you're going through is a setup for you to have a pulpit for the what and use the what and God's doing in your life. I don't know if you ever remember several years ago, there was these pictures that came out and I'm really not sure exactly what the name of them was, but it seemed like they were uh, uh, called Magic Eyes. I, I, that, that's the best I can do, but maybe you'll remember the exact. But it was those pictures, and they had all these squiggly stuff on but it was real popular a number of years ago. Some of y'all got some somewhere in some closet. Don't buy me one. I hate those things. I'm not secretly telling the congregation so you'll go buy me one. I hate those things. Why is it? They drive me bananas. I mean, I look at that picture. Now, I know some of you are just brilliant. You looked at it and you go, oh, I see what that is. It was like a 3D picture up in there. I'm going to tell you something. I would stare at those things and I just saw squiggly marks. Huh? And I remember, I remember getting in the staring position. You know, they, it's like, you, you know, you just couldn't look at the piece of art, but you had to get in position. So, like, you get level with it, you know, you get... Now, some of y'all, you know you did this, because I get down, and I, and I get, and I put my, you know, because I got to get my eyes right in the... They said, get your eyes right in the middle of the picture. Okay, okay, they're there, they're there. Now, I want you to stare at it so long that you start, your eyes start getting fuzzy. And then I want you to not look at what you're really looking at, but I want you to look at what's, whatever else is there, like your peripheral or something. And so I got in position and I like staring like, oh, I don't see nothing. And they're like, no, you got to stay with it. And so... Did anybody else do this? I mean, yeah. And so, and so good, because I don't want to be alone in that and be the only, like, goofy one that couldn't figure it out. So I, I'd stare at it and, you know, be in position. And then, I don't know if you ever remember that moment. Maybe you never did get it. And we're, it's okay. Just join that hate with me of that, those, that type art. But I did see it. And I'm like, you know, you're in that moment when you have that aha moment and you're staring and your eyes get blurry and, and, and you see through the squiggly and all like behind of it, like there's like this clown and he's got balloons. And, I, and all of a sudden you're like, either I took something that I wasn't supposed to take or I just saw it. And, 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 and then all of a sudden, man, you get this excitement like, I nailed it. I got it. And, and it's, it took so long. And I finally had that moment when, when I got it. And you go, I got it. I got it. 
and you want to tell everybody, and then you look back and you go, oh God, where did it go? Was anybody there? You got to look through the colors. You got to let your eyes get kind of blurry. They, they did all that stuff. But you, know, and you catch it and then you lose it. You catch it and then you lose it. You stare at it, you get it, and then you lose it. And I don't know how long it might have been, 10 minutes that you had it. But when you stepped away and you rejoiced a little bit, it seems like you lost it. There are times when I am in a place where I don't see it. I do not get it. God, what is going on? I do not understand it. I don't like it. And even though I necessarily cannot see it, God is there. And if you'll just do this, if you'll just look through their circumstances, stare through the circumstances, you can actually see that buried behind the circumstances of what is going on, that God has a purpose in the middle of your prison. He's got a purpose. Now what, God? Teach me. Teach me. Let me grow. I've already said no matter what, but now I'm standing there saying, God, now what? Teach me in this situation. Let me see through the circumstances. Let me get in position. Let me go to you in prayer. Let me, let me look beyond the stuff and all the what to see you in my prison and if you just look with spiritual eyes, you start seeing it. What do you want to do, God, through this? What do you want to do with it, God? What do you want to show me? Now what? What do you want to do in me, Lord? What do you want to do through me? Through this situation, what way do you want to use this that will bring you the most glory, that will advance the gospel? I don't understand, God, but I trust you. I trust you with the why. Now what? Now what? Now what do you want me to do? Verse 13, as a result, it has become clear throughout the whole palace guard and to everyone else that I am in chains for Christ. Everybody knows it, God. He could have said this, you think I'm chained down and you think I can't preach Christ, but you forgot who I'm chained to. You see, my heart has always been to preach to the people of Rome. It has always been to advance the gospel in Rome. And Lord, you just chained me to four different Roman guards a day. And every six hours, they change out the guards and put four new ones. And all of a sudden, you've chained me 
to the leaders who have tremendous influence. In fact, they put around him the imperial guard. And guess what God did? All the reason the time God's back there going, I know why. And I'm going to carry you through this. If you'll trust me through it, you'll, you'll, I know you're sensing the joy in this journey. And look what I have done. I am advancing the gospel through your what? You've given me a captive audience with some of the most powerful people in all of Rome. You've let me influence not just those in the street, but the imperial guard. And every six hours, I get Four new ones to just tell them all about Jesus. And the, and, and, the, and the leadership of Rome starts getting frustrated because every time they put guards there, Paul makes them converts. And they're holding chains and Paul's converting them in the name of Jesus. And he's like, it's about time to get through. I need a new bunch. I'm in the middle of my what, but God's showing off with his why. Come on, give the Lord a hand clap of praise. He's doing something big. He's doing something big. Hallelujah, hallelujah, hallelujah. It's uh, when you start to scratch your head and wonder why it was there, then we look and say, who's the real prisoner in this story? Who's the real prisoner? The real prisoner is the guys watching that they think is the prisoner because they can't go anywhere. It's a captive audience for his prison to become his pulpit. It's a little bit like martial arts. The whole driving force between, uh, behind martial arts or judo or some of this stuff is to use someone else's strength and use the force of their attack against you for you. So they come at you with all this force, you know, and this, this guy comes at you, and boy, I'm gonna whoop you. And they go to swing at you, and they teach you how, boy, when that guy swings, you take and use the force he's come with you to grab him and know how to maneuver that and use the force to all of a sudden become a strength for you. And because of it, we see guys are just, you know, about the size of me, taking down guys much, much larger than themselves because they're using their force for their good. And when Satan attacks you, that's exactly what happened. Satan comes at you and he's bowing up and he's hollering like a lion and he's roaring like a lion and he think, he think he's all that and he swings at you with all of his might, with all the bitterness he can, he swings, he swings with you. And if you understand that I am going to focus and I'm going to trust God with what I'm going through. All of a sudden, you have this judo, judo-like uh, flexes and, and movements that all of a sudden, you're able to grab hold of what the devil is trying to bring against you to destroy you. And all of a sudden, it works against the enemy. Everything that he was trying to bring in, God is going to do something special in this. And the enemy's coming at you and he's, he's trying to take you out. And that test that you're enduring today could be the testimony that you will tell tomorrow. That man, the enemy came at me like this, but it didn't get me. I was the victor.
I use what came against me to throw the enemy on the ground and sit on that big old enemy and say, you're not gonna, that's why we can say things like this. Maybe it becomes clearer to you. Rejoice not against me, oh mine enemy. For when I fall, I shall arise. What you came against me with that you thought was gonna be my destroyer actually began, became the setup for me to be victorious. Come on, somebody get up. I know it's Wednesday night, but that ought to energize something in you. Amen. Here's what God can do. Your misery could actually become your ministry. Say it with me. Say, your misery could actually become your ministry. It's a powerful thought. I've said a few key things that, oh, I wish you would remember and, and, and take home with you because it's, it's huge. Verse 14, because of my chains, most of the brothers in the Lord have been encouraged to speak the word of God more courageously and fearlessly. Okay, God, I trust you with the why. Now what? What do you want me to do? What do you want me to do in me? How do you want to show yourself through this? And now the second question, and I, and I, I gotta move quick, is that is this. The next question, two-letter question I have for you is so what? So what? It's a shift change. It'll change your perspective. Let's talk about it. So what? There was some division in the church that Paul wanted to address, and he did so. I told you he gave some tons of love, but he also gave instruction. Verse 15, it said this, it's true that some preach Christ out of envy and rivalry, but others out of goodwill. The latter do so in love, knowing that I am put there for the defense of the gospel. But the former, they preach Christ out of selfish ambition, not sincerely supposing that they can stir up trouble for me while I'm in chains, verse 18. But what does it matter? Somebody say, so what? The most important thing is that in every way, whether from false motives or true, Christ is preached. He's saying, man, there's some knuckles out there, knuckleheads out there that are doing it for all the real reasons. So what? Christ is still being preached. God's gonna get the glory out of this no matter what. So what? What some people could, could go off about this and gossip about it and Instagram about it, tweet it, not Paul. Paul didn't tweet it. He had a so what attitude. And oftentimes when we hear that so what, it has a little attitude to it, don't it? So what? But some of us, when we come to what's coming against us, whether it's going to defeat us or not, a so what against the enemy would help change our perspective and give us a shift in our brain and our spirit to see things different. If you realize, I'm not going to let this defeat me. I don't care what the enemy brought again. So what? So what? But he says, what does that really matter? I like that he says, what does that really matter? What's most important is that Christ is preached. And sometimes when you get at a place in life where there are some things that are bothering you, you just have to learn to say, so what? What does it really, what does it really matter? So what is this going to matter? 
100 years from now. I want you to put what you're going through right now through the 100-year test, okay? And see if you come out with some so what's. No, really, like right now, what you're going through, anything that you're up against, and maybe you're not up against anything, but if you're up against something, I want you to put it through the 100-year test. And if you're not up against something, bless God, life will bring you something eventually. And I want you to, we're, we're talking about a shift in your perspective, changing your, a shift, a movement, a change in your perspective. And so a so what puts it to a 100-year test. When you identify that this isn't that big of a deal, it changes your perspective. And suddenly you can focus on what really does matter because so often we get wrapped up in the things that do not matter. But a so what? So what? What does matter? Well, God matters a lot, doesn't he? The kingdom of God matters a lot. God matters. A hundred years from now, God's still going to matter. A hundred years from now, the kingdom of God's still going to matter. What matters a lot? Eternity. Eternity matters a lot. And so if it's an eternity question, it's worth getting involved. It's worth getting down in there. But if it isn't going to make a difference in 100 years, so what? Serving people matters. I mean serving people. Using our gifts to make a difference in this world matters. And that is freeing to us. And it's, it's, it, it, it's completely, it frees you up to just absolutely be all you can be for God. And we get this in verse 21 when he says this, for me to live is Christ and to die is gain. I don't know if y'all hear it, but that is simply saying, so what? (laughs) What I'm in the middle, it doesn't matter a hill of beans, but I can tell you what does. For me to live is to Christ, and to die is gain. Remember, he's in prison, and he's writing this joy-filled letter, and he's waiting for a trial, and the trial is to determine whether or not he would live or they would execute him. So look at that in that perspective. He is on death row. We all have a what. And we don't understand the why. The good news is God always has a why behind a what. And so Paul cries out, and I'm going to put it on my own vernacular. He cries out, don't threaten me with heaven. I wouldn't do that. You mean you're, we're on death row. It, it could go wrong for you, Paul. What if the judge determines something that you don't like? No, you, 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 you didn't just do that, did you? You didn't play like, like the death card on me, did you? Like, really? Can you hear him laughing in the, death, in the cell going, don't, 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 not today, devil. Don't threaten me with, well, don't threaten me with heaven. 
Now, there's a lot of things you can try to threaten me with, but don't threaten me with heaven. To live is Christ and to die is gain. Hey, the worst thing they could do to me is kill me, and guess what? I'm gonna see him face to face in all of his glory. I don't see him completely. I don't understand all of him now. I don't get all the whys, but then I'm gonna see him face to face. And I'm gonna understand. It's gonna open up to me. The, the picture is gonna get clearer to me. So don't threaten me with heaven because that's not a deal in me because that is the joy that is set before me. That is a, there's something beautiful about that. When this life is over, hey, I got something greater on the other side. Can I get a witness? Come on, I know you don't want to go there tonight. Get the fear off of you. But there's a change in your perspective. Amen? The change. Would you stand with me tonight? A change in your perspective. And when that happens, there's a shift in your spirit. That changes everything changes everything. I, uh, you know that scripture, let's look at this scripture in the light of what I just said, and that is that when we pass from this life, or we have a loved one that passes from this life, that this beautiful gospel that we preach and believe in takes the what out of death? Does it still hurt? You bet you it does, man. It hurts like crazy to see our loved ones, whatever. But man, when I think, Josh, I'm going to see him on the other side. It's not over, baby. It ain't over. Don't threaten me with heaven because I'm going, by the grace and the help of God, be in a better place on the other side. So what? When I preach, teach, whatever you want to call it, message like this right now, in a moment right now, what if I was able to go back into your life and bring something you're going through right now that's not 100, it, it, that wouldn't survive the 100-year test, okay? And I brought it out and brought it in front of all the people right now. And we said, is it worth quitting over? It wouldn't measure up, would it? You know why? It's fresh on our mind about the goodness of God. But where we get lodged into the stuff is when we forget that there's something greater than what we're going through. And so right now, whatever you're going through, we're going to do something here. We're going to have a shift, a perspective change. Is that fair? We're going to not look at it like you've been looking at it, and we're going to see it through a new shift. We're going to change gears. We're going to go to a different spot. We're going to look at it. Had it not been for this thorn in my flesh, I might not be where I am in God. Paul said that pretty close to it. This thorn in my flesh had turned out to be something that helped me keep me right where I needed to be. And I want you to do something right now, whatever it may be, whatever fear, whatever bitterness you're, I mean, boy, could we name a gazillion things? Sure we could. But whatever that is in your life, would you transfer that? 
and have a shift, a change in perspective, and just hand it off to God. And the way I want you to do it is so literal. I want you literally to lift your hands with it in your hands and hand it off to him. Would you just lift your hands, get all that junk, and put it in your hands and stand it right up to God and say, God, this doesn't survive the 100-year test. I put it in your hands. I can't handle it. I don't understand the what. And I know there's a big why that you're, you're going to help me through and there's going to be a great blessing through it all. But God, right now I don't understand all that, but I trust you in what I don't understand. But I hand it off and trust you that you're going to advance the gospel through my issue, my struggle. And God, I give it to you. I change my perspective. Now, would you just lift your voice in prayer and talk to the Lord? Come on, just talk to him out loud. Would you do that? Heavenly Father, we love you tonight. God, let there be a shift in some of our perspective. Let there be a shift in some of the things, God, that we've been up. Let there be a shift, God. Hallelujah. The thing may may still be there. The thorn may still be there. Sure it will. But, God, how I see it is going to be completely different. God, I think you may turn our prison into a pulpit. You may turn our prison into a setup for a miracle in our life. You're going to turn our prison into into a billboard for the goodness of God in the area where I'm at. And, Lord, I thank you for that. Amen. Can you thank him? All things work together for the good to them who love the Lord. Because when you love the Lord, everything else is just peripheral. Everything else is just minimal. But God is the source of our strength, our love. Do you love him tonight? Does this this make sense tonight? Do you understand why I called it what now? I know it was a goofy title. What? But we had fun with it. I hope it opened up to you. Now, would you touch somebody around you and just pray a blessing on their week and their life, whatever they are, just God. Sometimes in our what, we just need a friend to pray over us. God bless somebody, heal somebody, minister to somebody, change somebody in what they are facing, what they are up against, what they're pressing them on every side, what is up against, they're up against God. Hallelujah, hallelujah. Let the strength of the almighty God, let the peace of the almighty, oh, I feel the presence of the Lord in this place right now. Come on, man, just give, just let the Lord just bless you right now. Is that all right? Just let the Lord bless you. Come on, it's not going to hurt you. Just let the Lord bless you. Hallelujah. Lord, you know what I'm facing. Hallelujah. And I'm going to stand up and say, God, so what what I'm facing? I'm going to stand. We're going to be victorious. We're going to win. We're going to win this battle. God, you're going to let good come from it. And God, it's going to be a setup for you to do great things, great revival in our family, in our life, our church. In Jesus' name, I pray And can the church shout amen? Amen. Do you love the Lord tonight? Come on, church, do you love the Lord tonight? What a Savior. What a Savior. What a Savior. Next week, I'm going to be talking to you, and my theme will be mind shift. Mind shift. And I'm looking forward to talking about that next week, mind shift. God bless you. Have a blessed week. God bless you.